Well, thank you so much for having us this morning. This is our youngest, and that's about all he could take of being in the nursery today. So um, we've been on the road for a little over a week, so they're a little tired. But it has been so refreshing and such a huge blessing to be with you guys. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord is here, and it was just beautiful during worship and we are so grateful for that. Um, I am quickly, I have the privilege of introducing our family. So I think we have a picture, but um, we moved here in 2014 and had no kids. And in 2015, we had one. And then 2017 and 2020. So we have three kids, Ellie, Zach, and the, our youngest is Benjamin. And they're all Alaskan born. Um, when God called us to Alaska, he said, I'm, this, to my heart, he said, this is the place that will be home for you. And that was a big deal to me, looking ahead to having kids and stuff. And I felt like the Lord gave me this just image of roots, that we would have roots here. And these are our roots now. <laughs> we, have, we have three Alaskan children, and we knew that they were Alaskan one day when our daughter, this was like she was four years old, and her favorite movie was Frozen. And we must have watched it so many times that we could, we could both quote it to you at a second's notice. Anyways, we watched Frozen's over and over and over again. And then one day, some, some friends of ours were over, some students, Chi Alpha students, and um, I was not at the house, but Kevin was hanging out with the guys, and he popped in Frozen for Ellie to watch, and she's watching it. And, a, and across the screen runs a reindeer, right, Sven, if you've seen the movie. And one of the guys goes, hey, Ellie, do you eat Sven? <laughs> well, previous to this, Kevin had been on his first caribou hunt, also with one of our students. He had gotten, they, had, they both got a caribou, brought it home, hung it up in our garage, did the whole thing, right? Well, we're kind of, we're kind of like not sure what she's going to think about it, but she, she cracks the door while he's skinning the caribou, and she's like, Dad, what are you doing? And, and he tells her, and then I quickly swoop in, and I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's just let Dad do that. But then, she, but then she became part of the processing. We, she was my vacuum seal girl, and she got to press the buttons. Anyways, back to the, back to the movie conversation. Without a hesitation, after being asked if she eats Finn, she turns to him and she says, no, first my daddy skins it, then we cut it up, then we, then we grind it, then we vacuum seal it, then we eat it. <laughs> so ho hopefully we're, I mean, we're Texas born, but hopefully we're doing this Alaskan thing right. And like I said, Alaska is our home, it's home for our kids, and we're grateful that we get to inherit this, this church family, this home of believers, and just grateful to be here today. I'm going to let Kevin finish with the message. Thank you, babe. Thank you, babe. The real, the real superstar behind the scenes um, as she is still carrying our youngest out the door. Um, but can I tell you guys, that, that moment I shared with my daughter was probably one of the proudest Alaskan dad moments I'd had in my life, right? I was, I was convinced in the moment that, that this whole conversation was happening. I was scared of what my daughter's response was going to be. Meanwhile, trying to think of how I was going to pay back my friend who was trying to, to play a little trick on my girl. But when she came back with that response, I knew that, that Alaska was not just a season of our life, but that this was our home. 
And can I say that it has not only become our home, but it has become just a, a blessing to see what God is doing, not just on the universities, but in the state. Right? As, as the video showed you, as Pastor Stephen had already shared, we believe that God is going to change not just the world, specifically in our minds, to change the state of Alaska through the universities. Right? We've seen that happen since we arrived in the fall of 2014, where it started with a few text messages and about 14 students who arrived in the living room, mainly because we said there would be free food has now become a thriving discipleship movement where we have over 30 student small group leaders right now. Those are 30 students that are saying yes to Jesus to go out on the college campus and to fight for friendships among their peers that they would encounter Jesus the same way these student leaders have, right? And we're excited to see this happen on the campus, but as well as see what God is doing in the villages across our state. Back in the fall of 2020, our team, led by Paul and Crystal Burkhart, began a new program, which Pastor Brown was referencing, and that's called Alaska Student Partnership, where we bring graduates from all over the United States and Alaska. We give them 10 months of training to become successful educators in the classroom, but ultimately to become marketplace missionaries in the remote regions across Alaska where the gospel is not present. And to date, I'm excited to share with you guys that this coming August, we're going to have 20 teachers working in teams across four villages in the lower Kuskokwim River Delta School District around Bethel area in western Alaska. And not only, yes, applause, praise the Lord for this. Because at the same time, this coming August, that we have our 20 teachers out in the field, we have 12 more graduates coming to be trained and prepared for the next year. That we truly believe this, this statement, this number that we've experienced ever since arriving where there's a hundred plus villages in Alaska with no consistent gospel presence. That over the next 10 years that number will go down and we will see God change lives not just in Kenai, not just in Fairbanks or in Anchorage, but all over the state, right? And so it is our privilege to not only live in Alaska, but to serve the Lord and what he is doing here. You know, as Lindsay had just shared that we had this fun encounter with our daughter, recognizing that our roots are here in Alaska, it brings me to just this wonderful day we all get to share, and that's Father's Day, right? It's a special day in which we take time to recognize the role of a father in our lives. And for many of us in the room, Father's Day brings feelings of joy. Memories of great moments between you and your dad or dreams of even becoming a dad yourself one day, right? But in the same time, for, for those of us in this room, Father's Day isn't as joyful. You know, sometimes this day can bring us grief and sadness. It can, it can be a reminder of what was or was not present in our lives, right? But as Pastor has already mentioned this morning, there is one thing we can all celebrate today, and that is that we have a Heavenly Father who has been, is here, and will always be there in joy and in sorrow. So this morning, as we have the privilege to share with you guys, I believe the Lord has given me two words of encouragement for fathers or fatherhood to share. And the best way they can be described is by sharing with you guys about the fathers I've had in my life. And you know, I'm, I, I feel apropos to call this conversation with you guys the tale of two fathers, right? 
And so I actually, growing up, I was fortunate enough to be blessed with a really great dad. And if you want to go to the next slide, I have a picture of me and my dad growing up in years, raising me the right way to know how to catch a few fish. Um, but as you can tell, he was, in fact, pretty great, right? This was my dad, Lenny. And growing up, if anyone ever asked me what I wanted to do with my life, you know, that, that moment where you're supposed to say, I want to be a firefighter or an astronaut, right? I would always say without a hesitation that I wanted to be my dad, right? He was my hero. Everything he did, I wanted to do. And this wasn't limited to just those early years of life growing up. I mean, eventually when I grew up and began to go to school and began to make good friends in our small town, often I would be invited to hangouts or parties with these guys with the football team. But more often than not, I would turn them down to just go play nine holes of golf or to rewatch Top Gun or just to sit on the back porch and grill with my dad, right? In fact, there was one moment I'll never forget where my buddies had invited me out to a party. And right before I began to walk out the door, my dad looks at me and goes, hey, Kev, you want to go for a drive? So the next few moments, I found myself sitting in the truck with my dad as we drove around just for hours listening to classic rock and dreaming about the next stage of life for me, which was college, right? You see, when I, I think about my dad, the word that the Lord brings to mind is investment. And, and why the word investment? I mean, simply put, outside of the monetary understanding, to invest means you are giving part of your life, whether that's time, energy, knowledge, resources. Ultimately, you're giving your life to something in order to see growth, right? Now, let me ask the fathers in the room, how many of you in here would recognize that true fatherhood takes investment, right? I mean, from diapers to diplomas, you're doing what feels like everything you can to help your children grow and succeed in life. In fact, in the scriptures, we find many accounts of fathers who I would consider to be true investors in their children's futures. One particular that comes to my mind often is the account of Abraham. Now, I know many of us in here know the Sunday school song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. But, but you know, I, and we could all sing the song I know right now. But if we, if we take a moment and we look at Abraham's story, we can quickly recognize the amount of investment he had in his children. You see, if you go to the next slide, in Genesis chapter 12, we find this unique moment where Abram has an encounter with the Lord. And it says this in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Ultimately, if you continue to read, God continues to share with Abraham his vision of him becoming a father of many nations, right? And so Abraham obediently follows this call of God uproots his entire family and belongings and moves across country. Now, I can only imagine being Abraham in this moment because if I were to look at what God told me to, to get up and move to a land in which I will show you, it would be a little, you know, concerning for me. There's, there's not a whole lot going on. It's not like God gave him a, a, shared him a Google pinpoint location and you were able to just push, go to directions and find out it's a couple months walk away. This was God just saying, get up and go to a land I will show you. And you see, 
Abraham, though this was in the moment, though there was not clear direction, he obediently followed this call of God to leave his home country with the promise that God would become, that he would become through God the father of many nations. And for years, that promise seemed to never come as his wife Sarah never gave birth. But Abraham was invested. He moved his life and he continued to trust the Lord. And finally, God gave him a son, Isaac. Now, I think it's pretty easy for many of us to imagine the amount of attention Abraham gave to Isaac, right? I mean, this was everything he had sought for. And now that God had given him a son, Abraham began to give him everything he could. He invested his time, energy, resources, everything I've already kind of talked about. He invested his life into Isaac. So Isaac may become the fulfillment of God's promise. And can I tell you guys, the Lord blessed Abraham's investment. You know, you look, I have the, the reference here in Genesis chapter 22. After Abraham had taken Isaac up onto the mountain when God told him to sacrifice his son. But the Lord provided and said, because of your obedience, you shall be blessed through Isaac. Right? You know, I, I share the story because as I think back to the years with my dad, I too recognize the investment he made. The years of love and time, encouragement, correction and knowledge, experiences and, and, and life were gladly given so that I could become the man he dreamed I could be, right? And so with this, I encourage you fathers in the room, those wanting to be dads and every man to think about the investment you're making into the next generation. Think about all the little moments that we get to have, the drives, grilling out, the fishing adventures, the hunting, and how we can use these moments to make a big investment into our sons and daughters and those around us. You see, we strongly believe that no child is an accident, so every father, just like Abraham, is called to be a father to the child. Your job as a father is purposed by the Lord, so we need to make our investment count, right? You see, I was blessed. I had a great dad that I know worked hard to help make me the dad I am today. Though our years together were cut short, and he unexpectedly and very quickly passed away before in my senior year of high school. And I found myself, right before the next big chapter of my life was to begin, alone. My hero was gone, but the investment he made in my life was still there. So I, I continued on. I graduated high school. I went to college ready to make my dad's investment count. And thankfully, in college, God surrounded me in Chi Alpha with lots of godly men to help lead, guide, and continue this investment as my dad did. But I'd actually like to get to that later I'd like to talk to you guys more about what God did through my life in college because in this moment I believe that God has something else to reveal to us he was still in my life working through something not just showing me with the meaning of an invested father but also showing me the meaning of what it means to be chosen and adopted by a father and so I'd love to introduce everyone to now my stepdad Alan if you want to go to the picture I have here this is Alan and my mom Pam so you fast forward a few years in my life, and I'm close to graduating college, and I, my mom decides to spring some news on me, right, of someone she has recently been seeing. I was surprised and 
trying to wrap my mind around someone who could take the place of my own father or as a grandfather one day than my future children. Plus, I'd been the man of the house for a while for my mom and for our family, and it was a hard role to just pass on. And the hearing of Alan and meeting him actually turned out to be a little rocky. We didn't necessarily click the moment we met, right? There were several factors at play in my mind and heart that I had to wrestle with as the news of marriage also came fairly quickly after meeting him. You see, I wrestled with the Lord for some time and came to this conclusion that ultimately I recognized I could let Alan just be my mom's husband and nothing else or allow the room in my heart for Alan to be a part of the family. And you know, what's funny is that I know he was likely wrestling with the same question of what would his role be in our lives? How would he fit in? Is just a husband or a stepdad? Thankfully, he chose to be a dad and a grandpa, or as we lovingly call him, G-Paw. And you see, the moment I really recognized the depth of Alan choosing to be a father wasn't until Lindsay and I had our firstborn, Ellie. You see, she was about a year old, and we decided to make a trip down to Texas to visit the family. Now, Alan had not yet met her, and at this point, I had never really given much thought to how this dynamic was going to work. So, I mean, growing up, I had many dreams of my dad being Grandpa Lenny, and never in my life did I imagine for Alan to be a part of this, right? And unfortunately, I didn't really talk to him about any of these feelings, and I didn't really talk this through with my mom. We just kind of packed up and flew down to Texas, right? But then it happens. We get to the house, and the first thing that happens is Alan opens the door with the biggest smile on his face, his arms stretched out as wide as they could go, ready to hug Ellie with every intention of spoiling her rotten as many wonderful grandparents love to do, And I realized that here is a man who has no obligation to love my family, who was ready to give everything he had to see my family flourish. It was in this moment, I believe, that God revealed two things to me. That first, he asked this question in my heart, and he said, Kevin, why would you try to keep Alan from becoming G-Paw to your family? And second, he said that this is exactly a representation of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. You see, I believe Alan's role as a father in our life represents the choice all of us have as fathers to love. You see, we often tell our students a part of our Chi Alpha community up in Fairbanks that love is not just a feeling, that really love is a choice. The definition that we use and we communicate and we talk about God's love with our students is this. We say that love is unselfishly choosing for the highest good of God and others. And the beautiful thing is we find this language within scripture. We find this conversation of love being a choice talked about multiple times. One of my favorite moments in scripture we find is where the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And in this moment, many of us are familiar with this verse. If you've ever been to a wedding, I would almost guarantee you've heard this moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. But as I begin to read this verse, I'd like for you to ask the question, is this a description of feelings or are these descriptions of choices that we would have to make, right? 
So we see this in 1 Corinthians where Paul writes, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You see, I believe here we recognize that each one of these descriptions Paul gives is more of a choice than a feeling. And as I read through this and I begin to process what this fatherhood, this relationship with Alan is, I recognize ultimately that he was choosing to love us. Despite us not being his biological children or even knowing us the majority of his life, he chose to make us his family, just like God has done for each one of us. He had no hesitations in his choice to extend love to us. So my encouragement to all fathers, men in the room, is to make that choice for others as well. Whether that be our own children or the kids that come over to hang out with our kids, our family members, neighbors, co-workers, friends, that we all would make the unselfish choice to love them for God's greatest good. You see, I believe that the Lord's encouragement to us this morning for fathers and, and really for all of us in the room would simply be this. It's a reminder that we must choose to invest. This, this can be simple, this choosing to invest our lives into others. It, it can be simple, but at the same time, very deep. It can be done in biological fatherhood or adoptive fatherhood. Ultimately, when we say invest, we're saying invest in the next generation because this choice is something we can make every single day right? So as, as, I, as I come to really wrap up our time together this morning, as I mentioned, I, I wanted to share with you guys a little bit more about the days I had in college. In between this, this season where I was without my father and then meeting Alan, I found myself the day I arrived at Sam Houston State University just excited to get a degree and have some fun while I do it. Yet deep down, I was broken over the loss of my father just the year before. Though I thought I was fatherless and alone, God was already making plans to fill that void. And on the very first day of campus, there was a knock on my door, and I met Will. And if you want to go ahead and show, I have a picture of Will and his family here, all four of his boys. You see, Will was there just to knock on my door and pick up some trash, and ultimately to invite me to a hangout. Little did I realize that we would soon become best friends. You see, Will was a small group leader with Chi Alpha at Sam Houston State. And he invited me to join his small group, which actually was pretty easy in the moment because he seemed really cool and really easy to get along with. And I wanted friends. I didn't know anybody on campus. So, of course, I'll say yes to anything. I just want to meet people, right? And so I quickly found myself involved with the Chi Alpha community, attending weekly worship services, going to Chi Alpha events, and, and being a part of Will's small group. Though all these things were great, what stood out to me the most was how much Will wanted to be my friend. I mean, it's not like I was anything special. <laughs> Plus, Will, at the time, he was a senior in college. He already had dozens of friends, and he actually had just been engaged to his fiance, and they were planning their wedding and their future together. But in the midst of all of this, it seemed like every free moment he had, he was spending it with me. Constantly calling or texting, saying, hey, let's get coffee. Hey, let's go camping. Hey, let's do this. Hey, come hang out at my house, right? Looking back now, 
I realized Will was choosing to invest in my life as a spiritual father. And this led me to a moment where I asked him one evening, why did you seek out a friendship with me? And his response has forever changed my life. He simply said, Kevin, the way I came to know Jesus and give my life to him was because a guy named Stephen sought out a friendship with me. Through our friendship, I discovered the love of Jesus, and I knew that what God had done in me, he wanted to do through me. That I was to fight for friendship and to witness others know Christ. And then I met you. And this moment, when I look back on my friendship with Will, I have this realization that this describes that Will choosing to invest in my life as a spiritual father is one of the core convictions that Lindsay and I share as missionaries to the universities of Alaska. That ultimately, I would say it's because our Father in Heaven has already made the choice to invest in us by sacrificing His one and only Son for our sins that we may be reunited with Him for eternity. And it's because of this that we choose to take responsibility to invest spiritually into the lives of students at UAF. You see, I find another moment in Scripture I find so pivotal and powerful in this conversation. We find later on in the book of 2 Timothy, where the Apostle Paul is sharing what many believe to be his final words to one of his disciples, which he considers to be like a son. And he begins to share with Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, Lindsay and I believe this verse sums up God's vision and mission through Chi Alpha. And even this verse sums up what I believe to be this choosing to invest in the lives of those around us, whether it's on a college campus, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our workplaces, that this is something for anybody in the room. And what I'd love to do is show you guys one more picture of what I believe just describes what choosing to invest can look like in anyone's life. You see, here we find my friend Will. Him and his family actually traveled up to Fairbanks uh, about five years ago as they were itinerating to become missionaries to the Middle East. And so as they came up to spend a week with us to tell our students about missions and what they're doing, we were able to, to grab this quick picture because as you can see, you can find Will on this far end. And because Will chose to invest in my life there next to him, I was able to make the decision to invest in the lives of Alex and Ori and Ty and Garrett and Joel. And it's because I chose to invest in their lives spiritually did they understand the call of God to invest as well that Ty chose to invest in another guy named Garrett. And Garrett has chosen to invest in another guy named Jason. And, and Alex chose to invest in Zion who's invested in Carson. And, and Joel chose to invest in Salix. And, and I could, the list continues to go on and on. And Lindsay has a list that continues to go on and on of what God is doing through the friendships in UAF. There's two guys here I could mention right now that aren't in this picture, but, but we have our friend Cullen, who y'all briefly saw in the video earlier. Because we chose to invest in his life, he now understands that God has called him to invest in the lives of students all the way in Tulixac, Alaska, to give up his degree and his future as a mechanical engineer to be a high school math teacher 
in a place that desperately needs the gospel of Christ. Or we could tell you about Matt, one of my friends that I was able to share life with and disciple and see, have an experience and a life radically changed for Jesus, now choose to invest in the lives of people all the way across the world, where actually right now he is on a flight going to Mongolia where he's praying and fasting to understand, Lord, what would you have me do for the people all the way on the other side of the world? How can I bring your kingdom here? See, ultimately, this is what we call transgenerational discipleship. A movement of God that will continue to surpass any obstacle the enemy would attempt to put in its place. Because it's about a relationship. It just makes sense that through a friendship, someone can understand what a real relationship with Jesus Christ would be. Right? And as I said, taking on the responsibility for God's lost children to be found, the call of Paul to Timothy to choose to invest in faithful men who will teach others also, it's not limited to the college campus. You too can witness this in your life. So to all of the wonderful fathers and grandfathers and future fathers in the room, I encourage you to either begin or continue Investing in your families. Choose to love them and invest in their lives. Ultimately, to see that what our Heavenly Father has done in our lives, He would do through our lives to the next generation. I thank you guys again for allowing us to be here this morning. And really, my prayer for everyone in the room would be simply that we would choose to invest into those around us because. He first chose to invest in us. So as we wrap up our time and I invite Pastor Brown back up to, to wrap up service, I would just love the moment to get to, know, to get to know anyone in the church that would just love to understand and know what God is doing through UAF. My wife and I will be at a table in the back where you can sign up to, to know, get a newsletter and updates about what is happening through the university and the villages across our state. But we would love just the opportunity to connect with you because we understand that we're not in this alone. That we're a part of a wonderful network of churches that believe and support not only what is happening through our family, but what's happening through the lives of students across the universities in this state. So thank you guys.